This is Hunting Land, the podcast for landowners and land hunters with how-tos for habitat management and land investment. If you own, manage, or dream of owning land, this is the podcast for you. Clint, today we're going to be talking about a little bit of habitat management and a little bit of land investment all rolled into one. I'm pretty excited about today's show because there's some new things on the horizon for, for landowners to really help them save money when it comes to one of the worst invasive species, if not the worst invasive species, and that is wild hogs. Have you experienced the damage of wild hogs firsthand on your properties? Yeah, we've, uh, the first time I ever saw one, uh, a field that had just been destroyed by hogs was a chufa patch. And I was younger and uh, I was running around disking up fields for the fall. And I said, well, that's weird. Somebody came in here and dissed this field for me. Hmm. And, uh, I, I mean, I, that was the first thought in my mind. And then after I looked around a little bit, I realized it was hogs, but it looked like somebody had come in there and completely just tilled up the whole field. That was my first experience with them. And shortly after that, I had a hunt you know, I thought I was deer hunting, but apparently all I was going to see that day and for, for out of that stand the entire season was hogs. These are examples that, you know, I hear from a lot of clients and customers that own land or lease land that, uh, they just see these see pigs just you know encroaching more and more every year they're definitely a an increasing a big problem that's increasing and uh we're going to get into what you can do to control uh hopefully eradicate but more than likely control those animals on your property and and hopefully not go broke doing it so today on the show we're going to be learning all about the spread of suscrofa i know this is not something that clint started in college we're talking about feral swine and specifically where landowners can get assistance in managing this damaging invasive species. Today, we're excited to have Leif Stevens on the show. Leif is the USDA APHIS Wildlife Services Assistant State Director for Alabama, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Leif, welcome to the show. Tell us about yourself and tell us about the USDA APHIS Wildlife Services Division. Well, thanks for having me. I tell you what, that's that's quite a crown you've bestowed on me. Um, <laughs> It seems like these days I'm a bona fide paper pusher as opposed to a pig eradicator. So right. <laughs> a little bit about me. So I, I grew up on a farm in South Georgia and our main forte there was uh, agriculture and, and cattle. That That's what I cut my teeth on growing up. And it seems like uh, every Saturday my my father would, would come into my bedroom and, and my brother's bedroom and, and wake us up and guys, it's time to go have fun. Let's go, let's go, uh, build fences. Let's go do this. Let's go work the cattle. So instead of spending time in front of, uh, the Saturday morning cartoons, we're out there sweating and, and having a good time on the farm. Education wise, I obtained my undergraduate and master's degree in wildlife at the University of Georgia. My passion Drive-in life is basically spending time outdoors, hunting, fishing, and obviously spending time with uh, with my family uh, as well. I've been fortunate enough to pursue multiple game species throughout uh, several different states and even countries, and I'm really extremely blessed with a wife and family that understands my addiction to the outdoors. I just hope one day my youngins will follow my footsteps. Yeah, have the yearn and passion and passion for the outdoors. Man, it seems like every but, guy that gets to spend a lot of time outdoors has has got a a really good wife that understands that it's uh we're just afflicted with a disease we can't help it. It, it is, uh, and for sure, and it, it, 
the the list of honeybee chores uh, too builds as well as you leave and come back. That list that you have to do at the house seems to triple. So even though they're understanding, they also expect hard work out of you too. All right. Well, Leaf, tell me a little bit about the mission of the uh, the Wildlife Services Division. Well, well, Wildlife Services essentially is a branch off of APHIS, which stands for Animal Plant and Health Inspection Service. So uh, our role in life is resolving human and wildlife conflicts or complaints. Basically, wildlife damage management, we protect essentially four categories. One's human health and safety, agriculture, property, and, and natural resources. Each state's got their own wildlife services a program, essentially. And each state's a little bit different, too, because they've got different species that they're trying to manage. So for us in Alabama, we the main species of concern that causes damage are feral swine, pigeons, beavers, Canada geese, deer, coyotes, vultures, critters like that. And the way that we orchestrate that assistance is we provide essentially two types of services. One's technical assistance, which is us. Uh, handling phone calls, making site visits, and giving landowners or entities advice on how to resolve their issue. And a lot of times it is just educating the public to resolve that particular complaint. And then the other assistance is operational control. And that that's when we get dirt underneath our fingernails. That's where we actually go out and do the wildlife management or wildlife damage management activities. Well, Leaf, you know, for, for most folks, they understand that wild hogs are, are a problem unless you're a landowner who's really dealing with, I mean, just destructive nature of these animals, you may not have experienced firsthand what they're, what they're capable of. Tell me about the wild hog and, and tell me about how big of a problem they've become in the United States. Pigs aren't from around here, right? They're considered a non-native invasive species. The feral swine were first introduced to American soul back in the 1500s by the Spanish conquistadors. And, and the reason for that is just like with us wanting to go on a long trip, we'll pack a sack lunch. And their sack lunch was livestock, um, the explorers and the, the livestock being feral pigs and whatnot. And consequently, they got out. And because they're so adaptable, they basically just proliferated the areas that they were originally introduced at. Um, and given the fact that they're the only large mammal that can have a, a multiple litters, two litters a year, uh, eight to 10 at a pop, and becoming sex mature at six months, heck, we've got a problem because it's they're competing with our native wildlife and uh, causing a lot of damage uh, to property and, and agricultural practices. Leaf, why in the last two decades have we seen just this tremendous expansion of the feral pigs range here? And I'm specifically speaking about the Southeast, but now it's stretching across the country, obviously. But why, why the expansion? It used to be that most of the, uh, most of the pigs were, were kind of relegated to the, the swampier areas and, and kind of stayed in their zone. Why the expansion? Well, it's kind of funny you ask. The only explanation I, I can think of is pigs do fly. Mm -hmm. But in reality, because of their, their classification, depending on the state that you're in, they're non-native. They're not, in some states, not considered a game species. Therefore, there's not hunting regulations on them. So uh, 
for people that want to to hunt year round, that could be a particular species that they could hunt because uh, there's not really the regulations are kind of loose on hunting regulations are loose on them. The people uh, essentially have, have transported pigs to areas to have a increased hunting opportunity, and that's one of the reasons why you know around 35 states got pigs now. So that's that's the sudden spurge of expansion just attributed by migrating on the highway to essentially hunting land that's what i saw as a kid we i mean it was people just didn't know any better it was you know commonplace on our pig hunts where people say well you know i want to keep a few to take out to my place and release them you know they just nobody understood how invasive they were and they used to be a you know almost this trophy species in alabama and now it's completely flipped and you know, I even ran into a few of them in Kansas last year, deer hunting. And it just seems like no matter where I'm at, they're, they're there. Mm-hmm. You, Very you, adaptable. You've got that odor that they like, Clint. I guess sour corn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, day Joe. All right. <laughs> well, Leaf, you know, so these things have, have spread across the country. How much damage are they doing? I mean, I've, I mean we've, we've all seen it firsthand. But let's talk about the damage that they do. And, you know, we, we hear a lot about the economic damage, you know, the, the damage they do to farmers' fields. And, but what about, the, what about the native species damage? What, what kind of things do hogs do to really hurt our native species that are supposed to be there? Well, one thing is they compete with, uh, with other native species for food and uh, refuge. If you've got a bunch of hogs on your place, a bunch of feral swan on your place. Uh, they're picking up acorns. They're getting food that could be available to other native species on the plant side of things. Uh, because of their rooting behavior, they're disrupting the seed bank. And then a lot of times it's encouraging other species of, of plants that may not be your targeted goal for management on your property. And then the fixing of the actual damage because of the rooting behavior, it's, it's hard to fix some of that stuff depending on, on where they're causing damage at. Economically, it's, it's somewhat easy to see what they're doing to agriculture, but to, but to try to extrapolate that damage, quantify that damage on a landscape, on a hunting property, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to get a good number because how do you measure it? I mean, how do you... How do you measure the, the, the competition with, with wildlife? Right. Um, but they cause a, a heck of a lot of damage and the concern for us, not only with agriculture, but uh, human health and safety too, because of the disease aspect related to them. I know that there's a lot of bad things about hogs. I mean, Clint, Clint you know, Clint and I both sell land. Clint, how many times do you see where, where a guy, you know, buys land and, and he's got a budget in mind? And then he finds out once he's got the land, okay, maybe it's going to cost just a little bit more than I'd imagined. Maybe I have to go back to the, uh, the accountant in the family and ask for a little bit of a budget increase. With hogs and the damage they do, it's a very expensive proposition to either repair the damage they cause or eradicate and try to remove, or I don't even know if you really can eradicate the animal, but at least keep them suppressed on your land. And so, Part of what we want to talk about today is that there are some brand new landowner assistance programs that the U.S. Department of Agriculture has uh, just recently announced that can help uh, landowners 
in, in the eradication and control of uh, feral swine. So, so Leaf, tell me about the new pilot program that uh, it's, a, it's a joint effort between the USDA and APHIS, correct? Uh, yes, sir. It's a joint effort with NRCS uh, and uh, APHIS, which both are part of USDA. So, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing is, okay, we realize what the problem is now. Now we got to do something about it. Uh, we've got Congress that's, that's basically had a line on them in the farm bill to allocate essentially $75 million to a pilot project that would be jointly utilized by NRCS and APHIS Wildlife Services. Um, so that's, that's nationwide. That's not, it's not like that money's coming to Alabama or particular states. There's basically 10 states that they're focusing on. Um, Florida, Georgia, Texas, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, I think are the ones. So each state partners up with their NRCS representative uh, along with the APHIS Wildlife Service representative and try to come up with particular pilot projects for their particular state. And each state's going to be a little bit different on how they, they paint that, that picture. Their, their, their pilot project's going to be a little bit different. For us uh, in Alabama, what we're trying to do is implement a, a pilot project that's in designated watersheds. And we have selected a few watersheds. Uh, I believe they're in uh, Sumter County, uh, Houston, and Baldwin County. And the reason we chose those watersheds was because those areas are inundated with agriculture. And we feel like that we can get in there, uh, control pigs. You know, eradication is a, is a heavy term. Um, we kind of look at it as damage prevention, trying to prevent damage or minimizing damage. If we can accomplish that uh, throughout these watersheds and then on the adjacent farmlands, I believe it, it would be a win. But we're trying to pull out all the stops. Can it be done? Um, pigs are a huge problem. So if we pull out all the stops and implement these, these pilot projects, um, let's see if we can make a, a dent in the damages associated with pigs in these particular areas. So the farm bill has, has allocated $75 million, correct? Uh, in, in funding this eradication or control or suppression, whatever, whatever it ends up being. And how much of that money is going to be directed towards the landowner partnerships? So half of that. So that's the NRCS's side of it. So essentially, thirty-seven and a half billion will be given or allotted to NRCS to uh, orchestrate these programs, and then the remaining half will go to APIS, uh, wherein we're we're providing expertise and control efforts on the actual ground. So again, about half of that, thirty-seven point five million, will be kind of slotted for landowner assistance. Is it allocated just evenly across the 10 states or, or is it, is it allocated at all? Uh, is it allocated on a first come, you know, kind of needs basis? Is there any kind of a structure to it? You have to, uh, each state. And the reason we've got those 10 states that are slotted, that could be um, basically a participating with this program 
Uh, those are the states that have been identified that has the, the, the majority of the pigs. Each state's got to send in a proposal. Now, that proposal might be for a million dollars for five years or four years, or it might be more than that. It just kind of depends on how the NRCS and the, the APHIS folks uh, in the particular states, how they submit the particular proposals and what their, their goals are. So it's not really a set number or, or kind of lay all your cards out. And you get this much, this much, and this much. Everything's uh, going through a proposal process. And jumping to the back to the partnership with landowners, I mean, what does that look like? Let's say you, you submit your application, you're approved. What what happens then? I mean, what kind of activities or, or what does that partnership look like? I mean, what, what does the landowner have to do or not do? Or what do they contribute activity-wise so, or financially? Essentially, uh, in order for a landowner to participate with this this particular pilot project, if they are in the, the for us in the watersheds that we're focusing on, they can participate in it. I think the standard thing with NRCS is a twenty five percent cost share, wherein NRCS will have seventy five basically have seventy five percent of the cost, whether it's for traps or whatnot, and then the landowner must provide 25% of the cost. Now that cost can be in kind. That could be uh, provided by labor uh, by the landowners or getting corn or bait or, or stuff like that. So that, that could be considered in kind match. And then the actual types of traps can be potentially purchased through this, this program to be put on the landowner's property. So Leaf, can I sign up for the helicopter hog hunts I'll, I'll gladly you know donate my labor for that is that okay uh, it, it, well <laughs> do you want to give me a, an ar-15 and let me ride around in a helicopter with you yeah i mean that that that's uh <laughs> everybody wants to be in the air you know right. flying around. <laughs> um but with our program we utilize that particular tool in in areas where we think it's going to be successful we do have a helicopter in the state of alabama uh we've got certified aerial crew members that, that get up in the helicopter and, and perform that removal technique. We can't necessarily go out to bingo night and, and, and uh, issue basically tickets for people to fly with us because <laughs> of the safety concerns and whatnot. But the biggest thing with, with, air, with aerial gunning or aerial gunnery is that's just another tool in the toolbox. Right. Um, and we want to use that tool as efficient as possible. So, well, let's talk about some of those tools a little bit. So we mentioned, we mentioned aerial gunning, obviously, and I, I mentioned that in jest, but uh, it is a tool that you can use probably more on open land, like agricultural properties. But what else, what else do you do for the, uh, the eradication efforts? I'm, I'm sure there's trappings involved. Uh, what, el- what else goes on? Blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> basically hard labor. You've got the the three basic tools that we have for managing pigs right now is trapping, sharpshooting, and and aerial gunning. Now, toxicant is 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 off kind of off the table. We've got research going on right now with 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 different types of toxicants that you could be that later on down the road could utilize as a management technique. But with any of those, it's there's not one silver bullet. 
you've got to a lot of times use an integrated uh, management approach wherein you're incorporating a lot of different things. And for us right now would be the trapping, sharpshooting, and then aerial gunning. On the trapping programs, if you're enrolled in this in a, in a landowner partnership, who maintains the traps as far as moving them or getting the pigs out or uh – is that something you guys help with or is it a landowner responsibility? So that, that comes in, that's APHIS's side. That's wildlife services side. So we'll come in um, for all these landowners. And, and one, one of the main reasons we picked these watersheds in Alabama is because we feel like we, get, we, we should get pretty good landowner participation. So it'll be us coming in, um, building traps, showing landowners where the traps are, uh, trapping pigs, removing pigs, basically removing pigs off their place and minimizing damage. Once those pigs, uh, the pig population is, is knocked back, it'll kind of revert into a maintenance mode wherein it could be the landowner's responsibility to to check the traps or, or to monitor for any kind of new pig activity. So essentially the way I view it is that in these particular watersheds, it'll be wildlife services employees going in there and initially trapping and removing a bunch of pigs and trying to minimize damage. Once we reach that goal, we want to continue on down the watershed on other properties um, and leaving behind us trained landowners to, to keep the populations at low levels. And how long does it usually take to get into maintenance mode? It's, it's tough to dictate that. But a minimum, you say, Depends a year? It could be a year. It could be it could be six months. It just depends on the habitat and the amount of pigs in the area. Um, so we will go on these landowners' properties, establish traps, monitor to see what the population is. We could be in and out in just a month. It could be three months. You know, there's no guarantees of wildlife. So our biggest goal was to essentially get the population to a manageable level and continue forth. So it's it's kind of hard to to dictate that, but I feel like with the watersheds that we have, they're they're inundated with agriculture. So you're not going to have a lot of uh, dispersal coming in from adjacent lands, the way these watersheds are are laid out. And then landowner participation. If we get a landowner that does not want any pigs off their place, then that could be a continual problem for the adjacent landowners. Therefore, we might have to spend a little more time out there. So it just kind of depends on the scenario, the cards that were dealt with at each place. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking to Leif Stevens about hog eradication on a budget. Hey, guys, we get a lot of landowners that want to know, how much is my land really worth? We've recorded a video series to explain exactly how we determine that. Just head over to landhunting.com slash go to get the series. I'm confident it will help you achieve your land goals. And welcome back. We're talking to Leif Stevens today and getting some more information about the new pilot program that the USDA has approved for landowners uh, to assist them with removing hogs from their properties. Leif, how long will this pilot project last? It'll last the lifetime of the farm bill, about five years. Um, so the, the pilot projects themselves, again, they, depending on the state, right now I believe the proposals are, are up to three years. With uh, submitting new proposals in at, at year four and potentially year five. So uh, the pilot projects themselves in the entirety will last the, the lifetime of the farm bill. 
And it, it, for us, it, it's a it's a great opportunity, a golden opportunity to see, hey, can we get in these watersheds and make a difference? We'll get in there, remove pigs, uh, see how it goes, and see how much money we're saving the landowner, the farmers that are adjacent to these watersheds. Can it be done? And if it can be done, fantastic. We proved it. We kind of can look at management of, of pigs and other parts of the state based off the success of the, the pilot project. So that's kind of what we're, we're what we're looking at. And hopefully, as the dust settles, the meat falls off the bone. Uh, after five years, it works here, here, and here. Then there might be a, a, another line item in the farm bill with the next farm bill for you know future pilot projects. So that's kind of our mission: see if we, what we can do, and if it's going to be a, a worthy endeavor for future years. Leaf, how can a landowner uh, who's in in one of these watersheds? Well. I should ask a better question. How can a landowner find out if he's in, you, you talked about the watersheds in Alabama, but in any of these other states, how can they find out if they're in the, um, in the proposed areas and, and then go about sending in a proposal, uh, getting in touch with uh, the right people and finding out if they're eligible and maybe what they're eligible for and what kind of proposal they can submit? the best route would be contacting the their local NRCS office and, and getting the details of the particular pilot project, the areas and whatnot uh, in their state. That would be the, the best route because, like I said, there might be other pilot projects that would get submitted later on down the road that may or may not encompass their property. Um, but it, the key ingredient here, it, it is a pilot project, so it's not really decimated throughout the landscape on these these particular states that are involved it's in uh, identified areas and getting those identified areas the best route would be contacting the, the your local nrcs office what about the private sector so you mentioned you know that you guys are doing a lot um, with regards to the eradication effort are y'all engaging businesses uh, from the private sector to to aid in these in these efforts it, that kind of depends on the state and the pilot project uh, itself. So for for us, as far as operational control on the ground, doing the, the, the actual pig removal, it's going to be essentially wildlife services employees that are going to be um, doing those type of management techniques. In other states, I know they're using potentially the private sector, but for us, um, and given the limelight of, hey, we want this thing to be successful. We want to get in here to see see if we can make a difference. That's that's one of the reasons why we're kind of on on the management side of things, utilizing our employees. And we're, you know, we're looking at hiring, I want to say, fourteen employees to assist with this program in Alabama, and that's a lot. Getting those folks trained, and we're actually reaching out to. Uh, private sector and uh, various different entities for potential candidates that could assist and become part of our wildlife services family and help control pigs in these identified areas. So well, I definitely think it's a, a great program with a lot of, a lot of benefits, especially the cost share aspect. I mean, that's, and the, and the labor and time you guys are contributing those partnerships. That's huge. Cause I, I think most landowners, don't have the time. They got the desire, but not the time to, you know, to monitor the traps and move them and do the things that need to be done to really have a, a lasting effect. So if they wanted to apply and, and get you guys out on their property, what's the, what's the deadline for that? 
So once the proposals, as far as the partners are concerned, that that ends in in August, middle part of August, I think August 19th is the exact date. If you're a landowner within these watersheds, you're you're essentially golden for right now. You don't have to do anything. Uh, the way we're structuring our our pilot projects, we're going to have somebody getting in touch with the landowners within these actual watersheds to get access to to explain the program to meet uh, some of the employees and discuss the particulars of their particular pilot project and how they can get involved. So it'd be kind of a, a on-ground approach uh, with us here in Alabama. Leif, you don't have to take my advice, but you know, I think a more dramatic way to handle that would be to fly in by helicopter onto their land, you know, and just kind of say, hey, we can help you with some of your problems. I don't know. Maybe you get better participation that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there you go. It's, I mean, it's, when you have when you have uh, government entities and you sh- you knock on somebody's door and say hey we're the government we're here to help a lot of times you'll get doors slammed in your face yeah. um because of, because of the just the 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 view of the federal government and that's right. not but that's just another mount that that we've got to climb and I believe the areas that we have because of the the land use practices we should get a, a fair bit of uh, participation. Hopefully, at the end of the day, we can all sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya and, and talk about uh, the days where we did have pigs or damages in these areas. I'll, I'll never forget the morning I went deer hunting and I saw 74 pigs and zero deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I knew that this was a, a lot bigger problem than anybody ever imagined. Yeah, yeah and I, we've got a, my family's got a farm on the coast of, of Georgia. And 30 years ago, it was uh, kind of a luxury to go down there and try to chase a pig. You know, that's that was a prize animal back then. Right. Nobody uh, in other parts uh, of the state, you know, didn't have that opportunity. But now uh, the tides have reversed and you see a pig out in the food plot. You just kind of shake your head. It's not a prize animal anymore. It's more of a, a species that's invasive that's competing for um, the wildlife that you have on your property and that's that's of concern you know they're definitely a scourge definitely well leaf uh i really appreciate you being on with us today and giving us some more information about the uh, pilot program it's it's exciting opportunity for landowners and um sounds like you guys are going to have your work cut out for you and uh, a lot of hard work ahead of you so wish you good luck with that and um hopefully we can get you on and kind of do a follow-up here in the future and, and talk about how it's going and, um, and hear how, how it's all shaken out. But uh, if folks do want to uh, want to look you up uh, and talk to you about this for the state of Alabama, uh, what's the best way for them to, to contact you? The best way uh, would be probably email. And my email address is leif.r.stevens, and that's spelled with a P-H at usda.gov. That would be the the best mode of uh, communication to get a hold of me. And how many, uh, the big question is, how many pigs total to date have you guys taken out? So this past year, we're averaging, we've got about 40 employees in the state, um, of which nine are dedicated to feral swine and doing feral swine work. Average around 3,000 to 4,000 pigs a year. 
but wow. again, that's on properties that uh, that's just a drop in the bucket. You know, say, that, there's a lot that, of food. That's a lot, but I wish it, uh, but it's not as much as you imagine. It's, right. It's, yeah. The way to get, to get hold of the, the pig problems that we have now is manpower. Essentially, uh, we don't have any other tool that we could utilize that would minimize, um, the land power and the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into management pigs. So more boots we have on the ground and the more education that we can provide to landowners, get the message out. This is how you, this is how you want to approach things. Um, if you need assistance, let us know, or we'll be able to provide other sources of information as far as different, different types of traps to utilize and whatnot. But getting the message out there, this is, this is how you need to tackle the problem. That's the biggest thing that, that we would like to do in in alabama get everybody on the same page essentially well leaf thanks again for being with us today uh wish you luck here in the in the rest of 2019 and folks if y'all want to uh get your application in for this pilot program uh if you're in the state of alabama sounds like they're going to contact you but if you want to contact them sounds like you need to do it before august 19th leaf thanks for joining us thank you clint what do you see when you're when you're marketing properties are folks looking for properties, uh, are they more desirable if, if there's not a, a history of hogs? I mean, obviously, there are people that like to hunt them, and, and uh, they're, they're great eating. I mean, there's, there's some benefits to a wild hog, but you don't want them to overrun a property. What, what do you see when a property has a lot of wild hogs? Well, you know, it's like everything. It, uh, well, not everything, but a lot of things in, in life, and especially in our, our business, it, it, it's all about having a balance. Uh, so if you've got a property that's completely inundated and you can tell that they've torn up roads and, you know, destroyed timber or, or, uh, ag land, you, you know, that you're having trouble doing what you want to do on the property. So it, uh, affects your ability to have uh, quiet and uninterrupted use of the property, then it's a negative. I mean, it's, it's, you know, that's pretty obvious. Uh, whereas if you've got somebody that you do have pigs in that area and they've, been under a management program, so to speak, where they've uh, maybe put in hog fencing or they've done taking advantage of programs like we're talking about today, where they've had somebody coming in helping them run traps, maintain traps, and and either keep the pigs off or keep the population in check to where they can have a good balanced habitat uh, as much as you can. Then we don't see a lot of negative effects in terms of value or sales prices there. Right, I, I've seen the same thing. It seems like if you know, when you can show uh, the diversity in a piece of land, whether that's diversity in, in the makeup of the, the land itself, but also in the wildlife, that's a, that's usually a positive. I, I sold, uh, or we'll be closing on a track, uh, this week, uh, a guy from Washington is buying it. And that was his main focus was he really wanted to hunt wild hogs. And he's just pumped that there's wild hogs on the property, but they're not overrun. Uh, you know, this property still has deer, it still has ducks, it still has turkeys and and small game and the hogs are not destroying everything on the property and uh so it was a it was a positive for him but we've all seen those properties too where hogs are the only thing on the property because they've they've run everything else out for the time being so it does seem like it's something if you can manage it and it can be a highlight but if it's let let go unchecked it's going to be a problem well what's the market doing over there for you in alabama man how is it? Is it is it hot right now? It is. It's. Uh. I mean, this is really the best I've seen in my career, fifteen years. And you know, there's a lot of contributing factors. It's a. You know, we've got a um, 
great overall economy and, and pro business environment right now. Rates are still historically low, and there's you know a lot of people on the market. You know, both buyers and sellers. I think savvy sellers recognize that this is you know one of the best economies we've had in terms of selling land and real estate in a long time. And uh, right now, with the cost of money still being historically low and actually dropping a little right now, it's it's enabling people to pay more, take advantage of this market. Uh, so we're seeing more inventory come in, but we're also seeing uh, really a larger number of buyers, um, really aggressive buyers uh, for the same reason. So, I, you know, I get asked all the time, is this a buyer or seller's market? And I really can't answer right now because I, I think it's an opportunity market because I think if you know how to identify those opportunities, um, you know, arbitrage, if you will, arbitrage opportunities, you know, you can really get in and get a good buy on things right now because it's uh, just a lot of moving parts right now. And it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, like I said, one of the best in- environments I've seen for our business in a long time. Well, residential rates hit a hit a three year low, uh, I believe this week, and uh, uh, that that doesn't track directly with land, but it, they stay kind of in lockstep typically. And uh, so, yeah, we've got a, a low interest rate environment, and that's always going to help. And I don't know, you know, it sounds like something that a real estate sales guy would say that it's a it's a good market for everybody, but it it, it really is right now. There's there's a lot of good things going for us, and if you have a piece of property that you uh, you've you've owned and and you've been thinking about selling. It's it's time to harvest right now because a lot of people have free cash flow and and they're uh, they're itching to get out there and use it. It's it's good to see. I I, I like to see a, a strong economy. I know we all do, and uh, I hope it continues on. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up this week. Hope you. Uh, can get some help with your hogs if you're having a problem with them. Uh, I'm going to put a link to uh, the uh, best page uh, over at the USDA to learn a little more about the pilot program for uh, wild hog removal. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, as always, we appreciate your your reviews over on iTunes. Subscribe wherever you listen to uh, whatever podcatcher you're using. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>